Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine, broadcasting from the Oilfield Expert Studios. Oilfield Experts, where you get the right products right now. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. Welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, and today we have a great show lined up for you because we're actually doing our live show today in our San Antonio studios, uh, or studio, in which we will be welcoming on the president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, Jason Modulin, who has been on the show before. He is uh, a, a partnership that we have with the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers that comes in and tries to help answer oil and gas questions you might have. We will also be joined by David Blackman, who is the editor of Shell Magazine, and of course, myself. So I do encourage you, if you have an oil and gas question, if you want to talk politics, maybe something you have on uh, your mind pertaining to Joe Biden, the Green New Deal, we want to talk about that, or anything else you want to talk about, maybe the environment. Uh, Jason and David have a, uh, I'm sure, an answer for you. Please feel free to call in. The phone number is 210-308-8867. If you're outside the San Antonio uh, area and you want to use the 800 number, it's 866-308-8867. Before I bring uh, our guest on, I'd like to tell you about the latest issue of Shell Magazine. We just released one. Uh, It is the cover uh, Howard Energy, which is a midstream company. It's a treat. We typically do a lot of upstream coverage. Uh, and the CEO, Mike Howard, very interesting uh, company and a very interesting CEO. So I encourage you, if you want to learn more about Howard Energy, uh, Mike Howard and his leadership, you should visit shellmag.com. Click on the link. We always give out free digital issues. You can sign up for the newsletter if you'd like and also stay up with all the latest events that Shell Magazine, Texas Energy Advocates, Uh, and um, uh, other partners of ours are putting on uh, in Texas. Um, I'd also like to mention an event that we are having in uh, Corpus Christi as well. It's our State of Energy Corpus Christi. It's a luncheon. I'm sure you've heard of it. We have uh, been promoting this for probably about maybe four or five months now. The date is set for September 22nd. Uh, 2020, and it's going to be at the beautiful uh, Omni uh, Omni Hotel in Corpus Christi. The keynote speaker will be uh, Mike Howard, as well as the president of the Port of Corpus Christi, Sean Strawbridge. We will also have a great lineup of panelists that we're confirming, and uh, so you don't want to miss that. Please go to shellmag.com, get your tickets now, because that will be a sold-out event. And if you're not in a hurry to get out of town uh, and continue to want to spend a little bit more time in Corpus Christi, I encourage you to also hang around that evening. We are going to have a win uh, mixer, which WIN stands for Women's Energy Network. We'll be celebrating the organization as well as celebrating and uh, honoring Judge Barbara Canellis, a longtime judge in the region. Uh, she's a powerhouse, and you definitely uh, would want to meet her and rub elbows with her. If Corpus Christi is an important area for you to focus on in your business, oil and gas, this is an event that you don't want to go to. I mean, that you do want to go to, excuse me, um, as well as there's going to be great food, great cocktails, and plenty of networking. 
Um, let me give you the phone number one more time before we bring on um, Jason and David. The phone number is area code 210-308-8867, or you can call 866-308-8867. And now I'd like to welcome on my co-host, David Blackman, as well as Jason Modulin, who is the president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. Gentlemen, wel- welcome to this week's live show. Hey, it's a beautiful so I have David, and I also have Jason. Uh, just uh, for the listeners, uh, we have David in travel, and uh, of course, Jason, you're in another studio in another part of Texas, so we're all kind of calling in, and uh, this is, of course, a live show. So if anything should go south, just know it normally will happen. It does happen, So, uh, but we're, we're very well prepared for what happens when things go south. Um, and, of course, we, uh, as we're waiting for callers to jump on the line, uh, Jason, let me start with you a little bit. Would you mind uh, re- refreshing our memory of a little bit? You're, you're brand new to the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. Uh, you're the president, and you, you have a long history in oil and gas. So tell us a little bit about your history. How did you get to oil and gas? And also the mission, uh, why people want to join the Texas Alliance. Well, thank you, Kim, very much. The Texas Alliance of Energy Producers is, and I'm getting a little feedback here. Um, Texas Alliance of Energy Producers is a, is a group of 2,600 oil and gas professionals, both individuals and member companies that uh, are focused on developing oil and gas and and improving the standards for the oil and gas industry. And I've been on the job for about two months now, uh, a little under that, uh, but have a background in the legislature working for House Energy Resources Chairman Drew Darby, and then later for Railroad Commissioner Christy Craddock. So have focused on the legislative and regulatory sides of the business and and now uh, are supporting um, upstream and uh, and midstream companies uh, as they're producing right here in Texas. Well, you're certainly no newbie to this, and and I feel that uh, the Texas Alliance, um, since you came aboard two months ago, you guys have hit the ground running. It seems as though there's so much exposure for the Alliance now of of a path. I think you have a vision, you and the board, and you're taking it uh, to that vision. And it's good to see uh, the association very active. And we, we look forward to seeing great things coming out of out of the association uh, with your leadership. And of course, David needs no introduction because, of course, he's the co-host, but he also is the editor of Shell Magazine as well. Uh, so, David, I think you are in Tennessee, right? I am. Yes. I'm, I'm driving uh, across the great state of Tennessee. It's beautiful. Well, I'm glad you weren't in Texas because we had some pretty bad weather uh, thanks yeah. to Hurricane Hannah in which, uh, you know, I think the listeners know me very well. They know I have a home that's on the water in uh, in Copano Bay, a beautiful little place. And, uh, yeah, we got wiped out. Luckily, though, it wasn't like Hurricane Harvey. We still have our house, but the dock oh, is gone. The pier is gone. The bulkhead is compromised. So wow. we'll be back out there doing some work again, but... What can you uh, expect when you live on the water? Uh, those are just things that occur regularly. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, Jason, I want to start with, um, I have a question for you it, 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 pertaining to um, an opinion that you might have for the association. 
You know, we, we, we have had two hurricanes uh, back-to-back here within the last five years, both of them focusing on Corpus, and we received some uh, emails pertaining to climate change. And recently, uh, at the beginning of the year, API recognized uh, in a uh, – uh, they held a press conference, and in the past press, press conference, excuse me, they said that climate change was real. And so the, the question that seems to be coming out on social media and emails is if the companies are recognizing that climate change is real, then is the energy industry itself as a whole in any way saying that they are a part of creating climate change? Is this a form of admission or what, did, what, what does the associations and the industry mean by saying it's real, especially right now that there, we've had a lot of turbulent uh, uh, weather thus far? Sure. I, I think oil and gas companies and in particular associations are, are focused on the environmental stewardship that they do provide. Uh, so often the question uh, with, with climate change is, well, then we should abandon uh, oil and gas and fossil fuels entirely. And that's just that, that's not doable uh, at all uh, under today's uh, economy or the benefits that come from oil and gas and, and other fossil fuels. Uh, so if the question is uh, doing away with the entire industry and the benefits and the petrochemicals and the advantages that we have uh, with uh, abundant, affordable energy um, and going with something that's more expensive or just frankly not there. Uh, when the wind doesn't blow and the sun doesn't shine, uh, you're out energy. Um, and oil and gas provides the ability, uh, whether it's in your car or whether it's in an airplane or, or whether uh, you're powering uh, our economy around the world, that is the benefit of oil and gas. Um, and, and this this uh, existential question about whether it should exist or not uh, just ignores uh, the benefits that are occurring from reduced emissions, from investment in uh, conservation groups and, and other uh, uh, types of programs that are improving our environment. Um, so I, I think that's the focus is for oil and gas companies and associations. Look, these are the good things that we are doing. These are the benefits that do come from oil and gas. Um, and it's not a question of whether we're going away or not. Well, you know, when, but when, they, when the industry makes a comment, and API for, for our listeners, the American Petroleum Institute is a very, very large association. Of, it, it actually represents almost all the majors. A lot of them are integrated um, companies as well. But when they make a statement that climate change is real, you know, it would probably have suited the industry better if they had clarified it's real we're taking it seriously we're lowering admissions on our own uh, due to some amazing uh, fuels out there like natural gas um, and because of that we feel like we're doing our part in in climate change and so while there are many other uh, resources that are out there alternative resources fuels uh, we're we're trying to do our part to stand up and say we're we are uh, lowering emissions on our end, and so that will lead me into when we come back from break, the the whole question about. Uh, public relations and how the industry is really doing on public relations and how they're sending out a message. Is it is it enough to help the you know the public understand that oil and gas is is, a, is all we have right now? Uh, you're listening to in the Oil Patch Radio Show and we'll be right back.
The Texas Alliance of Energy Producers has a rich and commanding history of fighting for the independent oil and gas industry. The Texas Alliance became a statewide organization in 2000 with the merger of two of the oldest oil and gas associations in the nation, the North Texas Oil and Gas Association and the West Central Texas Oil and Gas Association. Today, with more than 2,600 members, the Texas Alliance is the largest statewide association in the country serving independent energy producers and associated industries. Through our efforts in Washington, D.C., and Austin, the Texas Alliance is focused on a better business climate for you. The Texas Alliance has a staff consisting of highly experienced senior staff and supporting consultants serving our membership. Offices are located in Austin and Wichita Falls. Become a member today by visiting texasalliance.org or email us texasalliance at texasalliance.org. Farmers and ranchers are the hardest working people on earth and deserve a side-by-side vehicle that works just as hard. That's why Yamaha makes the Viking an all-new Viking 6, the world's first true three- and six-person UTVs assembled in America. Ranked number one in drivetrain durability, Viking outworks and outclasses the competition in features, comfort, and off-road capability. For more, visit YamahaViking.com. Most dependable claim based on a 2013 Yamaha Source side-by-side owner study. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Jason Modulin, who is the president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers and David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine. And I encourage you, if you're listening to the show, call in, ask any oil and gas question you might have. The phone number is 210-308-8867, or you can go to our Facebook page, watch it live, and ask the question online. Jason, before the break, I had a, 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 you know, we closed with climate change and the discussion that everyone seems to have right now. It's it's very uh, on everyone's mind because of, you know, we've had, uh, you know, this past weekend we had a hurricane come but we've also i want to bring to your attention in on monday we had five major media outlets um texas monthly uh fracking texas leads to low carbon future uh gets rich last week there was um one in the houston chronicle by chris tomlin uh talking about clean energy and how uh it's taking over texas uh there was also the new york times and bloomberg um, and a lot of them are just kind of discussing solar and wind, that they're going to be the new replacement. And and my question for you is, do you feel as an association, and I know all of y'all work great together, but do you feel when you put out a statement that climate change is really, you kind of leave it there, that the, that the energy sector is doing enough to really talk to the general people about because we know the media is talking about all these wonderful alternatives, but they're not really telling the truth about, hey, this goes way beyond that. They're, they're not really alternative fuels right now. They're a part of it, uh, but right now all you have is oil and gas. What do you think uh, the energy sector of any might be able to do a little differently to really start having that discussion? If we're going to say climate change is real, let me say why we need energy, uh, oil and gas specifically, or, uh, you know, you might not be able to, we might not be able to sustain life. There's like so many different things I think that the energy sector could talk about besides just a blanketed statement. We think that climate change is real. Tell me what you think. Uh, 
I agree. Uh, um, it, it starts with groups like yours that are that reach out and engage uh, uh, people who are not in the energy space, but support uh, affordable, abundant energy um, because it builds on uh, our communities with manufacturing and, and other uh, types of businesses that, that benefit directly from having oh. low cost. Um, abundant fuels, uh, and and those come from oil and gas. Listen, our, our members uh, live and work in Texas. They they em- embrace this environment, and, and they do not want to uh, see it uh, uh, polluted in any way. Um, and that's why the oil and gas industry invests so much in uh, science and, and in technology to improve uh, um, and lower emissions. Uh, we've seen dramatic increases in production in Texas while reducing emissions uh, over the past two decades. It's a remarkable story that is led by science and oil and gas uh, innovation. Um, It's it's not by turning away from oil and gas. Well, you know, um, I'm gonna get David in here in a second, but I just wanna say, I have seen some of the the commercials from API and it says we are lowering uh, air emissions, uh, the most we've ever done in a decade. But you know, how? Tell me how in that commercial, too. This is where the education starts. David, come on in, and, and I know you have a couple of questions for Jason as well, too. Yeah, Jason, I just wanted to give you a chance to talk about the flaring issue. I know the uh, the uh, Railroad Commission and the industry have had discussions about how to approach that, uh, the best way to do that here in Texas. Uh, could you give us an update on, on where those discussions stand here as we you know, get into the second half of the year? Absolutely. So uh, the commission, as well as associations and, and uh, energy companies, have been working together this summer uh, to improve some of the data collection and, and transparency at the commission as it relates to flaring. Uh, if you recall, at the beginning of July, um, a group of associations uh, made recommendations to the commission to reduce the amount of time that flaring permits would be uh, allowed for a company. Um, that recommendation, along with some transparency efforts, are, are going to be rolled into some recommendations that the commissioners will roll out here uh, the first week of August. Uh, we have seen some flaring reductions as production has declined. Um, but uh, uh, I think over time, you see it's been relatively stable uh, levels of flaring while production has has increased dramatically. Um, and, and that's the result of infrastructure being built out. It's also uh, um, the opportunity for these companies to capture a little more value by reducing flaring and, and selling that gas. Okay. You know, um, we are going to be getting ready to go to break here. Uh, when we come back, we, we do have some callers on the line, so we're, we're going to need to take those. So do you think, though, that with these recommendations, and of course right now that you, you're saying that it's a slow time in Texas, but as it starts returning, there's going to be some ne- mechanisms in place that are going to be placed in there that are going to actually start really reducing uh, and we're going to see that to where a lot of these environmentalists that are come on and, and, and you know, they're, they're, they're discussing the methane, um, you know, situation that they'll have some, some remedies there. Yes, there is not a silver bullet to this. Uh, it's both a regulatory action, but also member companies uh, investing in technology, investing in infrastructure that is going to uh, reduce the likelihood that you need to flare and have the ability to sell that gas to market. 
Well, you know, that's a good thing, because if there's one commissioner that is consistently always saying, we need to bring this down, guys, is uh, is, uh, is it Chairman uh, Christian? I'm not sure if he's still the chairman, but Wayne, Commissioner Wayne Christian. And, and good for him. You know, he's talking about things that aren't always uh, the easiest thing to talk about in the energy sector, but he's definitely carrying the charge of, look, we need to get this down because this is just not really good for the environment and we need to figure this out. Uh, when we get back from break, Clint, San Antonio, will be talking to you next. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Are you a business owner feeling overwhelmed where to begin your business's online presence? Maybe you've spent thousands of dollars in the past just to be highly disappointed with the results. We understand because we were once you. Since then, we decided to hire the very best experts to help us and you. Let us send you our business profile that will quickly show you your Google business rankings in these five areas. Reputation, ratings online, website, advertising and social media and search engine optimization all of these areas really affect how google ranks your entire listing so if ranking on page one is your goal pick up the phone and call us now 210-240-7188 or simply go to shalemag.com slash business profile we'll be in contact with you within 24 hours once again pick up the phone and call us now 210-240-7188 or simply go to shalemag.com that's s-h-a-l-e-m-a-g.com slash business profile start dealing with a company you can trust and always find And welcome back to In the Old Patch Radio Show. You're listening to Kim Bellotto, being joined also by uh, David Blackman, as well as Jason Magdalene, who is the president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. And this is our live show, so I encourage you to call in and ask Jason, David, or myself a question pertaining to oil and gas. The number is 210-308-8867. I also want to recognize we did have somebody on Facebook. Stephen Tyler, you're listening to the show. Thank you for your comment. It says oil and gas industry has done more for self-policing than any other industry. And I I couldn't (laughs) agree with him more. We all are. And it's just a shame that a lot of people don't really understand this. So that's why we have In the Oil Patch Radio Show. So thank you to our listeners. I want to, uh, Clint's been hanging on the phone for a while now. Let's bring on line three. Clint, what is your question for Jason and David? Yes. uh, Can you hear me? Yep. We can hear you. Yes. um, Question. China is becoming a big problem for the United States. On trade, how much of an impact is this going to have on the oil and gas sector? China is a huge problem uh, um, from both a uh, intellectual property uh, stealing, but also uh, the the opportunity to to dump products back uh, into U.S. and and Europe um, uh, that have been heavily subsidized uh, by the government, whether it's steel or or pipe. uh, uh, other types of manufactured products. Um, there's tremendous growth opportunities in both China and India. 
um, to utilize oil and gas uh, and, and whether it's direct from the U.S. or they're consuming oil and gas from other countries and, and that results in some market improvements uh, for the U.S. to sell uh, into Europe and, and South America. Um, those are those are opportunities that, that are potentially coming, but you're absolutely right about uh, trade uh, infringement and, and some of their aggressive tactics. Hey, David, you and I have had a conversation, too, on China and the upcoming. Yeah. Go ahead, jump into this conversation with us. Yeah, no, Jason's absolutely right. They, they're a huge problem. Uh, and, you know, the other thing China has done is they, they've also gone all over the world and bought up resources, reserved resources for their own use, including oil and gas and, and other minerals. And so they're kind of cornering the market on, on a lot of different raw materials. Oh. You know, they take a very strategic approach that we don't take to that kind of enterprise. So it's, it's a big problem for our country, for sure. Well, I guess what I want to ask is, how do you all feel about, so it seems as though relationships are souring very quickly between President Trump and President of China, and, um, or I, I guess I'm just wondering, we were supposed to go on for another round of tariffs and, and talks, and that was supposed to be happening, and we've barely gotten through the first round, and it's already soured. And even though they were supposed to buy a lot of energy uh, from us, there was supposed to be other components that really was, was going to work well for oil and gas from you know being able to manufacture and uh, trading in oil and gas, there's a whole lot of components that go in there. It's not just uh, us selling them, uh, you know, our resources. Jason, what do you think? Uh, are we going to get there, do you think, with the, the souring? And if, if it sours and we don't get there, um, how does that leave the oil and gas industry? Well, what has derailed it is COVID-19 and, and the uh, lack of a response from China on, on any kind of systematic uh, uh, control technique, but then also the, the investigation and research into what happened uh, that, that it, it has been so aggressive getting out of China. Um, I, I think hopefully we get there, uh, but I, certainly there's some stumbling blocks um, beforehand, and, and that's really uh, resolving COVID-19 and, and then some look back into why this happened. Um, I think that's going to be necessary before there's any uh, continuing agreement or, or phases that are opened up as part of this deal. Well, I really hope so, because as we're moving into November, things seem to be getting more and more <laughs> and more crazier uh, with just life itself. Uh, when we come back from break, I want to get on back on this topic because there's a lot here to discuss. Uh, but we do have to take a quick break. You're listening to In the Wallpatch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Hi folks, Alvin Bailey here. Did you know Agreco is proud to sponsor In the Oil Patch Radio Show? Agreco has served Texas oil fields for over 10 years, supporting producers with temporary power to get their product to market. When utility power is not available, Agreco is your reliable alternative. They service everything from pump jacks with a single 200 kilowatt unit to massive gas processing facilities requiring 50 megawatts or more. 
Agreco is your dedicated engineering partner for diesel and natural gas generators, as well as battery power solutions. Call Agreco today at 1-800-AGRECO. That's 1-800-A-G-G-R-E-K-O. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Jason Magdalene, who is the president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers and Shell Magazine's editor, David Blackman. Um, guys, before the break, we were talking about China, and it's a lot to discuss with China. Uh, there's so many moving parts, uh, along with everything else that's going on. It, it, it's it's extremely complicated, but I did want to uh, bring back that conversation to see if, uh, Jason, you had a, anything you wanted to talk on. I mean, are what, if we don't, if we do not get the second part of this, how bad is this going to be for the energy industry? I, I mean, like, do we recover? Does it take a longer time to recover? It, it, absolutely. It takes a longer time to recover. Um, uh, but again, it, so much right now is focused on on COVID. And so the more that uh, we can see uh, uh, parts of Asia, uh, and in particular India, come out of this, uh, the quicker those consumers, uh, those middle class consumers that are driving vehicles that are purchasing products, uh, uh, oil and gas will, will rebound a little quicker. We're, we're already seeing uh, OPEC plus uh, make some moves. Uh, to to uh, uh, to resume production, um, and they're seeing that based on their own countries uh, uh, resuming demand, um, and so uh, hopefully those are those are good signs. But but uh, we don't want to see a return to uh, dumping uh, that uh, we certainly saw in March. Right. Okay. So I want to also recognize Armando Torres Jr. is talking about um, how the oil and gas industry polices themselves on Facebook. Thank you for responding. And you're saying correct, but Bayright is uh, one of uh, those products. So uh, let me go to line four, Joe from the Woodlands. What's your question for Jason and David? Oh, and, uh, yeah. and hi, Joe. Welcome. I'm so sorry. Excuse me for my uh, lack of uh, of of being able to say hello to you properly. I'm sorry. Uh, you call in a lot, Joe. I'm sorry. Thank you for joining. Thank you for listening to the show. What is your question for uh, Jason and David? Well, I'm happy to be here. Uh, with uh, Hurricane Hannah being minimal and a few other hurricanes already forming, um, just what is going to be the impact with the offshore oil rigs? Um you know, because a lot of them are already shut down. Is this going to impact the industry, do you all think? That's the question. Well, it does. It impacts us every, every summer. Um, to some extent, that hurricane, Hannah, uh, did force uh, quite a few of the platforms in the southern part of the Gulf to shut shut down for safety reasons. Uh, but they, they're able to reactivate them very, very quickly. And, uh, you know, so they'll be back online later this week, and then you just have to wait and see what the next storm is. You know, it just all depends on how they come through the Gulf and what part of the Gulf they end up hitting. Jason, you have a comment. I'm like, shh, don't say any more storms <laughs> for my area, please. <laughs> well, it, with prices being uh, $41, $42, it, it uh, um, uh, limits some of the exploration uh, in, in the Gulf for these big uh, offshore projects. Um, uh, but hopefully, uh, we'll continue to see prices rebound and uh, with, with uh, no storms in the, in the Gulf, uh, we'll see a 
resume to activity. They keep telling me that we're just entering into hurricane season. I'm like, no, 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 no. Uh, let's bring on Br- Joe. Thank you for calling from the Woodlands. You call in every show. We appreciate your listenership. Uh, let's go to line three, Bruce San Antonio. Yes, uh, thanks for taking my call. Real quickly, uh, this week we saw uh, Noble and Chevron, uh, I guess you could say merge or there was an acquisition. It didn't seem to get very much uh, attention or publicity. I was wondering, uh, what's your sense of future mergers among the, the big boys? Good question. Good question. Thanks for calling in, too. We did cover it, by the way, Bruce. Shell Magazine and In the Little Patch, we were on it. <laughs> Jason, go ahead. I, I think you will continue to see some acquisitions uh, from companies that are are well positioned and have cash and have made uh, changes and improvements since our, our last downturn in 2015. Um, Chevron was in a buying mood. Uh, uh, last year, they were looking at Anadarko and, and obviously Oxy uh, won out on that. But um, Noble is a great complement to some of their assets in the Delaware and uh, and then also uh, for, for servicing Europe. Um, uh, Noble has a number of Mediterranean uh, uh, leases. And so those are good opportunities for Chevron. Uh, and, and hopefully we'll continue to see uh, uh, some some deals being made as uh, prices have stabilized. David, do you see this as kind of clearing the field, sopping up anything that really shouldn't be in there? What is your take on this? Um, you know, it could be, uh, but these deals have to make sense, you know, uh, financially. Mm-hmm. They have to make sense operationally for the acquiring company. Uh, the, the deal for Anadarko got so expensive last year, it really did make sense for, for Chevron to, to go ahead and pull that trigger. And I think if they had to do it over again, Oxy probably wouldn't do it either uh, at that price. You know, if, because when you look at what Chevron paid for Noble, uh, $5 billion for the asset, $8 billion for assumed debt, uh, that deal would have cost them over $30 billion a year ago. So I You know, these things just have to make financial sense, and and I suspect we'll see a few of them. Well, I guess my question would be also is in the climate that we're in and what we have seen the industry go through with just the prices dropping and then COVID, and I know that there might be some people that are in the buying mood, but if there's one thing I think the industry learned too was when they when they want to pay something uh, high price, so we saw that with uh, Oxy and are they really able to do that now? Do they have that confidence right now with the market the way it's been to, to, to start doing these mergers, mergers and acquisition, especially on the big guys? Like, this was a very, very big announcement. You, you What do you think, Jason? You think going forward we're going to still see more of these really big buys or maybe just big fish gobbling up little ones? Uh, it, it, it might be big fish, but it could also be uh, uh, some of the, the smaller guys uh, emerging where they find uh, there's opportunities. Uh, uh, there are deals uh, being made uh, that continue to, to happen uh, despite these, these headwinds. And I think that's just a testament to the resiliency of the oil and gas industry. That it, it's, not, it's not being uh, shuttered or boarded up. There, there are opportunities um uh, to go make money and uh, and they're gonna uh, make it folks are doing it there you yeah go. and one thing they do have is 
courage because I don't know of a lot of other companies that would be willing to make these kind of buys in this situation. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, guys. We'll be right back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Feel free to call into the show if you want to talk to Jason and David. The Texas Alliance of Energy Producers has a rich and commanding history of fighting for the independent oil and gas industry. The Texas Alliance became a statewide organization in 2000 with the merger of two of the oldest oil and gas associations in the nation, the North Texas Oil and Gas Association and the West Central Texas Oil and Gas Association. Today, with more than 2,600 members, the Texas Alliance is the largest statewide association in the country serving independent energy producers and associated industries. Through our efforts in Washington, Washington, D.C. and Austin, the Texas Alliance is focused on a better business climate for you. The Texas Alliance has a staff consisting of highly experienced senior staff and supporting consultants serving our membership. Offices are located in Austin and Wichita Falls. Become a member today by visiting texasalliance.org or email us texasalliance at texasalliance.org. We're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. This is your last opportunity to call in. This is our last segment that's live. If you want to talk to Jason or David, call in 210-308-8867. Guys, I'm going to go to the phone lines. We have Maria in Kerrville, Texas on the line. Maria, what is your question for Jason and David? And thank you for calling in today. Yes, good afternoon. Thank you for having me. I have a question, if I may. Is the energy industry supporting President Trump? And if not, how well does the industry think it will fare with Biden, if Biden should win? Uh, well, thank you, Josie, because I, that has been on my mind, too. And uh, I have not really seen, Jason, David, the energy industry one way or another. Uh, but you're part of all the major associations. Uh, what is, uh, Jason, what is what do you think is happening? Are you all going to support President Trump? Or are you supporting Biden? So, no stress uh, here, right? <laughs> we, we, we do not have a, a federal PAC that supports uh, uh, federal candidates, but uh, uh, individuals absolutely in the energy industry uh, support the president. Uh, you're seeing him come back out to uh, Midland and Odessa this week uh, to tour a rig and, and to meet with operators uh, in the Permian Basin. Uh, certainly this administration has been good for the energy industry. Mm -hmm. Um, it's hard to know what you get with, uh, 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 vice president Biden. Um, uh, if it's going to be a return to kind of centrist Democrat politics or, uh, what he has, uh, emboldened, which is, uh, uh, the radical left and, and AOC, uh, who want to do away with domestic oil and gas production. Uh, if that's the case, um, then you will see cost rise for families. You'll see those jobs spent overseas. Um, and, and, it, no one is better because that demand has not gone away. It's just going to be, we're going to be paying from, for it. And David, I want to bring you on to uh, ask your opinion also. I know you have some questions, and I, I kind of had to take all the callers. But I want to say that that Green New Deal that Biden is pushing is not beneficial for the United States whatsoever. And I hope to see more energy companies coming out and supporting the president of the United States. He's been good to oil and gas as far as helping reduce regulation. David, what do you say? <laughs> well, 
you know, with Biden, it's, it's not a question of how do you get along. It's whether or not you're still in business. Um, he's endorsed uh, banning hydraulic fracturing, banning the use of oil and gas, uh, banning any new leasing on federal lands, federal waters. Um, so, I, you know, if, if Joe Biden wins the election and the Democrats can win both houses of Congress, then it's just going to be carnage in the industry. But, uh, Jason, I want to give you a chance, too, before we end this show today to address I know you guys are getting ready for the session of the legislature mm-hmm. coming up next year. And we just had this revenue estimate from Comptroller Hager. Uh, now we have a $5 billion budget shortfall because of COVID and the collapse in the oil and gas industry. Talk about what, how that impacts what the legislature is going to be able to do next year when they meet in January. It's going to make it a much tighter uh, environment. They've made a lot of uh, uh, promises and commitments this past session on school finance, uh, and, and those uh, uh, bills uh, continue to, to come due, uh, particularly now that, that uh, schools have so many challenges as it relates to COVID. Uh, you did see that that shortfall that he's projecting, uh, but he also came out and said that the economic stabilization fund, the, the rainy day fund, which is made up of severance tax dollars, is going to have $8.8 billion in it. Um, and, and that's really a testament to oil and gas uh, um, and, and our resiliency in this state. Look, it's going to be a tough session, uh, both for uh, uh, state agencies um, that uh, are already being asked to make cuts uh, to their budget. Um, and so uh, that, that will be the fight next session is just uh, making sure that um, uh, our, our agencies that support the oil and gas industry, whether it's a railroad commission or the Texas Commission on Environmental Quality, have the resources they need so they don't slow down uh, the industry. Um, but then making sure that we're not seeing uh, new taxes, new fees, uh, things like that. We already pay in quite a bit, $14 billion uh, last year in, in taxes. Yeah. We had Christy Craddock on a couple of weeks ago, and she was talking about, you know, the fact that, that the Railroad Commission is funded by those fees mm-hmm. uh, and, and doesn't come out of the general revenue fund for that budget. Uh, have you had any discussion so far about Railroad Commission budget and uh, – the kinds of things that might need to be done by the legislature to ensure they're fully funded. Absolutely, and they're and they're in the middle of an IT modernization project. She that, mentioned uh, that crucial yeah. for the oil and gas industry, uh, and if they have to uh, stop or abandon those efforts, uh, um, uh, what a waste! Um, because we're seeing efficiencies uh, for companies. Uh, but also for uh, the agency uh, that is able to uh, shift those resources into inspectors and into field staff, uh, which, uh, which only makes operations that much faster. Um, if we can do more things uh, online and on a computer and, and modernize it and, and make it more efficient, um, that's something that is a good thing for state government. Um, and we hope that she continues pushing on those type efforts. Yeah, just so every, all our listeners understand, the Railroad Commission right now, their platform is, was written in Fortran, uh, a coding language that really hasn't been used much at all in this century. This this system uh, dates back to the 1990s that they're currently functioning on right now. So this modernization project is really crucial to the, the ongoing efficiency of that agency. That's correct. Uh, 
Absolutely. Before she got there, they had uh, uh, hours of the day that were off limits to agency staff to get on the computer mainframe uh, because it was public time. Uh, and then they would switch and they would bar the public from accessing the computer because it was agency time. Uh, that's oh, just ridiculous um, uh, for such a vibrant industry uh, to be reliant on uh, uh, this uh, computer system that uh, is just antiquated. And, and uh, so we certainly need uh, continued investment there to get off that system. So the Texas Railroad Commission is directly responsible for all the permitting in oil and gas that collects all the billions of dollars that if we should come into a shortfall like we're experiencing right now, for teachers to continue to need what they need and the funding, no layoffs, law enforcement, EMS, fire departments, all these things come out of if we should have a shortfall in our budget. They ha It has to be um, budgeted. They're going to, the legislators look at that Texas rainy day fund that once again is created specifically by oil and gas. Th there could not be a more important regulatory agency and more important resource that we have here in Texas than the Texas Railroad Commission and of course the oil and gas. Jason, uh, on behalf of uh, In the Wall Patch, me and David, thank you for joining us on this live show. Guys, if you're listening, go join the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers and get involved in oil and gas. You can also join the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition uh, and be involved with us too. David, wherever you are in Tennessee, <laughs> be safe, have a great vacation. And uh, for the listeners, remember, we have uh, once a month a live show in which Jason joins us and he's here to answer any of your oil and gas questions along with David and I. That's another great show in the books guys. Thank you Jason. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to having you back next month again. In the Oil Patch is where together we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business and in your community. Every week your host Kim Bellotto will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.